Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. All right, what's up, Eagles Nation? Um, I know if you're watching this on the the YouTubes, on the FCS Fans Nation Network and all that jazz, you can see something that's extremely ugly about my appearance today. Um, if you're listening on podcast form, probably better. You don't have to see this stupid, stupid looking thing on top of my head. But I'm wearing a Montana Grizzlies hat just because... We lost a bet with Mike Nugent from the last podcast from the Grizz Fan Podcast Power or the Grid Fan Podcast episode last week. Uh, I, I don't know why I said power, maybe because of Eagles Power Hour. Who the hell knows? But hey, man, I'll live up to my bets. It is a nice hat if you took off the Grizz logo and put something else because um, I do like the color of this gray. But other than that, it's. It's pretty pretty hideous, and I don't I don't recommend anyone continuing to watch this podcast. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, turn it off right now. Um, nothing about this podcast is gonna get any better because, like I said, if you're watching it, you have to look at the ugliest thing in the history of sports. Uh, but no, just just joking. Um, but yeah, I do have to wear it all podcast, so I do apologize. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about this. This isn't going to be an extremely long episode. Um, give me one second. My work was texting me. Okay. And I'm not even going to edit that out. So it is what it is. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, what's on the agenda is we want to give out some shout outs to really the rest of the seniors. Um, I want to look at the playoff bracket a little bit. And then give some shout outs to the basketball team and, you know, what we're looking at this season, what we've done so far and what we have yet to come. And then I think Rusty is going to be joining the podcast in the next few weeks. He's, he's had a little bit of a busy life, but he's our basketball guy, right? Um, you definitely can follow it a little bit more than me. Um, I work pretty crazy hours, too, so I don't get to watch all the basketball games, unfortunately. But ESPN Plus makes it pretty simple to where you can watch a few days later or whatever. Um, but some of these other games when we're not playing at home and maybe the other team doesn't have an ESPN deal, it makes it a little bit hard to, to really watch. So yeah, let's talk about this, this little Eastern Washington football versus Montana game. Um, I do want to share my screen because it is pretty crazy. Let's see here. Share screen. We are going to go. There we go. Let's see if you guys can see. All right. 
Of course, the score is not what anyone predicted, 41 to 57. Um, you know, I said I could see this game going either way to where maybe it's going to be a low-scoring game, maybe it's going to be a shutout um, on one of the teams, you know, or maybe it'll be a blowout on one of the teams. I didn't think, if anything, it was going to be a high-scoring um, shootout, really, from both teams. But when you're looking at the score, 41 to 57, you just think automatically the team who scored 57 absolutely dominated the stats board. It is pretty insane how that is not the case. Uh, now, I don't want to take anything away from Montana because just because they didn't win the stats board doesn't look doesn't mean they weren't the, the more dominant team throughout the game. You know, there was a couple close quarters where each team was playing um, pretty, pretty good. Uh, but there was, uh, what was it? The third quarter alone is where Montana absolutely just torched us. Um, and, and I mean, sometimes all it takes is one quarter where you're absolutely dominating to be a huge difference maker in the game. All the other quarters were actually pretty close in my opinion, but that third quarter, that, that was the big difference maker. Montana did a lot, but let's look at this because the, when you're looking at the stats and maybe you didn't watch the game, that's where you can really see what potentially went down. Um, and I think special teams is really the biggest difference maker in this whole game. But let's look at this. First downs, 32 for Eastern Washington, 13 for the Grizz. Okay, that's favorable for Eastern Washington. Third down efficiency, 11 for 25. We were almost 50% on third down efficiency. They went two for 12. The The Eastern Washington third down defense has actually been tremendous all year. Uh, that was one of our strengths that we've had on the defensive side. Total yards, 608 to 368. Okay. Now that's insane because it wasn't just, we had 400 yards in the last quarter. Um, it just didn't happen. This is what, what happened. I mean, when you're looking at the game, let's see here, let's go to the game cast. Let's look at this play by play because this is the big difference maker. When you're looking at some of this, and you're looking at Montana's touchdowns and some of their drives. I mean, look at this. Three plays, five yards. Three plays, 60 yards. That's a longer drive. Um, one play, eight yards. Five plays, 23 yards. They're already in field goal position. Montana, I believe, had... And then, of course, that interception, pick six. Of course, that was massive. That was really the no chance you can ever come back now. If we score there, maybe it's a little bit different, but we didn't score there. But four plays, 17 yards. Seven plays, 37 yards. I mean, a majority of the time, besides this very long jet sweep run that they had in the very beginning of the game, Montana's special teams versus our special teams gave Montana the best field position known to man. Plus, there was a couple errors on our offensive side of the ball where Eric tried to do a little bit too much. He fumbled um trying to you know pitch it to a lineman uh that was a little bit iffy and then of course he threw that pick six but those set up montana in amazing field goal or field positions that i think that fumble it dropped him on like the 10 but the rest of the game it was one of those things where anytime montana punted it went the distance of the field and we had a drive 80 yards 90 yards stuff like that if we wanted to score i mean that was a bulk of it where Montana 
our, our kicking game, our punting game struggled tremendously. Uh, we had a tough time kicking the ball down the field, but then also the times where we did have some solid kicks difference was we were missing tackles and Montana's return team is phenomenal. So, I mean, it's not just, we were playing horrible on special teams, even though we were playing pretty bad, but Montana's special teams is elite. So we couldn't tackle. We couldn't kick. Montana had the best field position. And I mean, I really do think if, if we, if they had a drive the whole length of the field, because we saw with some of their stats, they really struggled on third down efficiency. And it was one of those things. I mean, they, they lack the first downs, but that could just be because they had short field distance or it could be because maybe their offense isn't as good as what the 57 points show. I mean, it's definitely not as good as what the 57 points show, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy watching this game. Um, they didn't really have too many answers for the, the passing attack of Eastern. Of course, we had 530 yards passing. Um, now, this is insane. I mean, the reason why that is, where we had 87 passing attempts. So sorry if you guys were listening on podcasts. I was highlighting the completion versus attempts. We had 81 passing attempts. And the main reason was why we did that. Montana's rushing defense is arguably the best in the country. They um, held us to 78 yards. And one of that was on a pretty large rushing uh, play where I think we scored a touchdown. It was pretty close if I remember correctly, but we only had 2.8 yards a carry um, where at least passing. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible conditions, but the difference is what Montana can do that most other teams can't is they can get to your quarterback at an extremely high efficiency rate. They, I mean, they are in Eric's face. Eric, again, took tons of hits, especially in the first half, where you could see him limping pretty much all of the second half. But, I mean, what a tough dude. He knew this was going to be his last game if he lost playing college. So, of course, he's not going to give up or anything like that. He's going to continue to play through it. But there was openings. Our, our wide receivers still match up extremely well with Montana's DBs as long as we have time to throw to them. I mean, Lemu Jones had another 200-yard day. Um, I mean, Eric, the 47 for 81, I mean, he threw above 50%. So that's always good. Uh, especially when you're throwing that much, you know, 6.5 yards per pass. That's, that's on the lower side. But again, I mean, Montana's defensive line absolutely got in Eric's face. Um, there was a couple throws where he normally makes, but he couldn't because he had to just throw it in. Wish for good luck because uh, Montana's D-line is that good and that fast. But yeah, I mean, this was a game where I think I think our defense actually did not play that bad. Um, I mean, I don't think they played great. Hold Montana to 368 yards. I would say that's on the below average side on what we should have done. But, I mean, I don't, I don't just attribute that 57 points to only the defense not playing great. It was Montana's special teams absolutely torched us. Now we made kicks this this game. We made some field goals, which that was pretty awesome to see. But overall, I mean, when you have six drives or six scoring drives, that was Montana's six scoring drives, I believe, where they scored under 50 points or in under 40 yards. They had under 40 yards of, of driving ability to actually get in some type of field goal range or 
you know, actually score a touchdown. And I think out of those six drives, the average was like 25 yards that they only had to go. It's something pretty similar to that. That's why we have this lopsided <laughs> stats board. Sometimes stats do not tell the full story. Uh, and this was one of those games where if you look at the stats and eliminate the score, you just look at only the stats. You go, oh, yeah, Eastern Washington absolutely dominated them. It's not the case. Um, it, it just it just wasn't the case. But the special teams from Montana, 100% the difference maker. They're punting. That, that kid, I think he's a freshman punter. Holy crap, he's got a cannon for a leg. Um, I mean, it's going to be annoying playing him the next few years just because we know if – if we get this amazing stop, we're still going to have to drive 80, 90 yards just because that kid has a cannon. You know, maybe he'll transfer and go to a bigger school one day. But as long as he's playing on Montana, Montana doesn't really have to worry too much about the field possession battle just because they know they have a, a kid in the back who's going to pump perfectly, punt 50, 60 yards, you know, whatever it is, whenever he needs to. I think he averaged about 40 48 yards or something a game in net punting. I think he was the number one punter in the nation for the FCS level, maybe even FBS. I don't, I don't know, but um, he was a hell of a perform. He gave a hell of a performance this last game and hats off to Montana, man. They, they brought the energy. They, we were both, this was a both physical battling team. Um, we both hit each other hard, but I mean, it's really tough to win in Missoula and Montana was the better team. Um, again, the stats don't show that, but this is a, a game where it's played on all three phases. Two of them were pretty even across the board. The, the third phase was not even across the board. And I had talked to really Mike Nugent and the whole big sky podcast network in a group chat. And I said, all right, if you just compare offense and defense, Eastern actually wins more of the favorable matchups by only a few, but they are actually the more favorable matchup team when it comes to just that. Once you add special teams, because I I did a whole list of analytics. There was like 30 different metrics. And I said, but once you add special teams, it does become a little bit lopsided to where Montana, I mean, they win every single special teams battle and it showed. I mean, this is, unfortunately, this was our Achilles heel all year. Uh, we lost to Weber State because of special teams. Weber State, they converted on what? Four fake punts or three fake punts. We missed a few kicks. Um we can't have that if we want to be a contender. Uh, and, and guess what? Montana, their special teams is so, so freaking good. I wish we had their special teams. Um, maybe not with their coach or anything. But, hey, that special teams, I think it would be fun just because we wouldn't have to worry about field possession or anything like that or worry about making field goals. Uh, this was our Achilles heel this year. I think we're going to learn. I think we're going to get better. I'm not too worried about it in the next few seasons. There's some bigger issues that I think we have to worry about in the next few seasons um, than special teams. But that was the giant difference maker, in my opinion, in this game. Uh, and, and of course, turnovers. Turnovers are never going to help you. But those special teams, it was pretty brutal to kind of watch what happened or what, what unfolded, really. Um, now, I do want to give a little bit of shout out to some of the seniors and all of that because we have... Unfortunately, this was our last game. Um, and, oh, my dogs, they want out. Give me a minute. Leave the room, dogs. All right, I'm back. 
I'm back. My dogs, they wanted to leave. Um, let's give some shout outs to some of these seniors because this was, it's always kind of a bummer when you see an awesome class. This, this class really, this was a fun 2021 season. I mean, with the spring season and then getting an extra year of eligibility. Um, I mean, we have a lot of seniors that are truly going to be missed and it's going to change how Eastern Washington maybe football is the next few years because, well, we're going to be a little bit of a young team. We're going to we're gonna be a little bit young, especially in some clutch areas. So it's going to be interesting to see how we adapt. What are we going to do? And of course, now my screen just went away. But okay, let's just go down the list and name some of the big ones that we're losing. Um, Tristan Taylor, offensive lineman. I mean, he was 6'6", 320 four-year letter winner. I mean, what an absolute beast to have on our team. He was a leader. Definitely a position that's going to be missed. Limu Jones, uh, Montana, Missoula's most wanted right there. Of course, he's 6'4", 220. Uh, of course, we're going to miss him because he is the biggest mismatch and I think pretty much one of, if not all the FCS, at least the big sky. Um He's always open. He's fast. He's physical. He can get open and he's athletic. He's so much more athletic than a lot of the big sky DBs and he's taller. He's bigger. He's faster. I mean, as long as he holds on to the ball, he's, he's an absolute matchup nightmare. Eric Berrier, of course, not much else to say about him. We praise him all the time. He's the big sky leader in career yards, touchdowns, um, pretty much everything. He's top three in the FCS in his career, in history, really. Um, or at least you can maybe argue top five is the worst case scenario. But what he's been able to do in his career has been absolutely phenomenal. I wish him luck. Hopefully he wins a Walter Payton. Hopefully all these guys, they get an opportunity if they want to play at the next level. If it's the CFL, it's the NFL. Hopefully at least you know some of these sign undrafted free agents if they don't go through the actual um, drafting process and at least be given a shot. DB, Kalen Kreiner, man, <clears throat> uh, he was an absolute beast. He was fun to watch. A little bit of a smaller guy, but he hits hard. He was a leader on the defense. We're definitely going to miss him. Dennis Merritt, running back, of course, he had one hell of a season. I mean, what was it, 18 total touchdowns or something ridiculous like that? He was a really versatile back. He didn't. We didn't just use him to run up the middle. He was everywhere. He could be a wide receiver. He could be a back. I think in the big sky league, in terms of stats, he was a top 20 wide receiver, something pretty ridiculous like that. So, you know, he was at Leavenworth, Washington, which is pretty cool because I don't think Leavenworth gets too many guys in the college rankings from what I've seen, at least at the Division One level. So we're going to miss Dennis Merritt, Jack Sendelbach, leader on the defensive side of the board, uh, linebacker, 6'3", 235. He was everywhere for us this year. Uh, when we didn't have him versus Montana State, you could tell the difference when we were trying to stop Isaiah Fonze from rushing the ball. Having having that leader in the middle of the field was super important. We're going to miss him. Ty Graham, I know I'm naming all of our biggest and best playmakers, it seems like. Um, Ty, Ty Graham, <clears throat> he was a Cheney local product, went to Idaho, decided to transfer back over to Eastern Washington. We absolutely loved having him on the field. Another leader, Tameric Pierce. Running back, he was, unfortunately, we only got to see him in a couple games this year because he was injured and he's had 
such an injury-driven career, unfortunately. Um, but what an absolute stud and a difference maker when we're on the field. I mean, he's a he's a tank. You run up the middle, yeah, he hits people. Tameric Pierce, man, you're gonna be missed. Justice Warren, linebacker. I mean, he transferred out of Washington. He was an absolute beast for us too. Uh, it's gonna be nice, or hopefully uh, you go into something bigger and better if if you choose to. Um, but thank you for coming to Eastern Washington as a grad transfer. You were absolutely fun to watch. And then Connor Christ, uh, offensive lineman, 6'3", 300 pounds. So <clears throat> those are all the seniors, which it actually doesn't seem like we lose too much. I mean, we only had, what is it? One, two. Oh, and Johnny Edwards, wide receiver. Um, he didn't get a lot of play time this year, but he was one of our speed wide receivers. Uh, he's an absolute beast too. Um, I was kind of bummed we didn't see him as much as I thought we would, or at least being a difference maker on the field. Um, cause the last few seasons, I mean, Johnny Edwards had some big games. Uh, he, he was really fast. He's tough to guard, but yeah. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, just 11 seniors on the team. So that's actually not that bad. Um, but most of them are playmakers. Most of them are difference makers. Most of them are key positions that we are losing. So that's where it becomes a little bit tough to where we just kind of have to think, hey, what are we going to do? Um, who are we going to be able to replace them with? I'm not sure. But, yeah, I just want to say thank you to all the seniors. Such a fun spring season, such a fun fall season. <clears throat> I know we didn't live up to the expectations that we wanted. Uh, you know, I thought in the beginning of the year, I predicted us to go 9-2 and two in the regular season, which we did. Now I predicted us to lose to Montana State and UC Davis back-to-back. Not Weber in Montana State, but it is what it is. <clears throat> I actually think Weber is better than UC Davis. Um, yeah, I know UC Davis beat Weber, but I think if Weber wasn't playing their third-string quarterback, UC Davis does not win by two or whatever it was. I, I think Weber is the better team. So when you're at the end of it, yes, Weber's record wasn't as good. Yes, they weren't a playoff team, but their record was still you and I. You could even say now you and I's strength of schedule was a little bit harder, but Weber played one hell of a schedule too. So um, <clears throat> I think a healthy Weber is better than you and I, and it is what it is. They played us extremely good. I want to look at the playoff bracket. So let me, let me, you know, type in some of this FCS playoff bracket. Because... I want to talk about some of the matchups because I know we're out of it, but it's still fun to talk about. Um, there's still some big, big sky teams in there. So maybe we can, you know, go around the big sky uh, and just talk about some of the matchups and what I think will happen because we should still be in the playoffs. We should not have had to go to Montana in this, you know, the second round. Uh, it is what it is. You just have to play the games in front of you, but we definitely should have been a seed when it comes to the grand scheme of things, I, I would have rather played Montana in the quarterfinals, or I would have rather played Villanova, Sacramento State, ETSU, Sam Houston. Um, I think there's better favorable style matchups, but hey, we got to play our biggest rival, an intense game. The crowd was electric. It was a, such a fun game to watch. Um, okay, so let's just go up the top of the board. I want to share my screen again because it is kind of fun to look at something instead of me just rambling. I know podcast, if you're listening, you do not care about me. 
sharing anything. Um, hopefully you guys can see. Okay. So Sam Houston, this last second week, they uh, won the Incarnate Word by seven. What a fun game that was. It was an absolute shootout. And then Montana State absolutely dominated UT Martin. So Sam Houston, they're playing Montana State. I'm actually going to be at that game. So that's tomorrow at 730 um, Central Standard Time. I'm going to go to that game. It should be a pretty fun one because I live in the Houston area. And why not just go to another Big Sky game if you can? There's no animosity towards Montana State. I think out of the Big Sky, they're one of my more favorable or favorite programs. Um, I think, yeah, they're, they're not too bad. But the difference is I think we match up way better for Sam Houston than Montana State does. Sam Houston is extremely good in every aspect Montana State's good at. The big difference is that one area where Sam Houston's weak at is something Montana State can't do. And that's Sam Houston. They have a really, really weaker compared to the uh, spring season of their passing defense. I mean, you can see Incarnate Word torched them, but that is Cameron Ward. Cameron Ward is an absolute beast. Um, he just decided to enter the transfer portal. My guess is he's going to go to Washington State because his coach is now the OC there. Uh, but I would assume you're going to see him go to an FBS program. If he stayed at this FCS level, depending on the offense he goes to, like an Eastern, like an Incarnate Word, like a Southern Illinois, some of these other teams, or even a Sam Houston, he could potentially break every career quarterback record at the FCS level. I think he already has... In a year and a half, um, basically, he has 7,000 yards and 74 touchdowns, like passing touchdowns. I think the record is like 16,000 yards and 130 touchdowns, something pretty crazy like that. So he's on pace. <laughs> if, if he would have just stayed his junior and senior year, um, he was definitely on pace to be able to do something. But in that specific matchup, I'm going to trust Sam Houston's offense a little bit more than Montana State's. Now, this will by far be the best defense Sam Houston State has seen, um, where it's it could be a much lower scoring game than what Sam Houston's really been able to do all year. But, yeah, I just don't like the one matchup where Sam Houston State, they are extremely elite at stopping the run. Their defensive line is fantastic. I mean, we saw what they did to North Dakota State in the spring playoffs this last year where they were absolutely um, stopping whatever North Dakota State could run. Um, they were absolutely crushing them. The only reason why that game was close is because North Dakota State's special teams was phenomenal that game, and it made it in a one-possession game, but they scored zero offensive points. And I think North Dakota State, as their offensive line and rushing game goes, I think they're just a little bit more elite than Montana State. So I do trust Sam Houston State in that matchup. I do think it's going to be a good game, though. But I'm going to say the score is going to probably be like a, a 28 to um, probably 20 or 17 point game favoring Sam Houston. Now we go on the other side, the two seed. They're going to play North Dakota State is going to play East Tennessee State University, who just had one hell of a crazy 14 point comeback in the last two minutes of the Kennesaw State game. I don't think this game is going to be close. Um, ETSU is probably the weakest of the seeds, in my opinion, and playing North Dakota State. Yeah, give me the Bison by 38 to 10. It's going to be a game like that. I don't think it's going to be much different than what they just played first. Southern Illinois, if anything, maybe it's even going to be a worse blowup. The only difference is ETSU does have Quay Holmes. They are an extremely elite running, um, running threat. They got two elite 
running backs who are in the top 20 of the FCS. Uh, one of them is uh, Walter Payton Award finalist. So hell of a hell of a matchup to at least watch. Then we have Montana number six at number three, James Madison. This will be a fun game. Um, their strengths match up with their strengths. The big difference is James Madison, they have a really good passing attack. Um, I would say it's top three in the nation, really. They have a really strong passing attack. And Montana, what we've seen, they've played they've played two, two games against elite passing attacks. And they gave up quite a bit of passing yards from each of them. Um, and, of course, those two games I'm talking about is Eastern Washington. Now, James Madison, I don't think Cole Johnson is the electrifying player as Eric Berrier in terms of scrambling, getting out of the pocket. But Cole Johnson, the quarterback for James Madison, is elite. He's smart. He does not make mistakes. Um, I think he's the number one of passing efficient quarterback in the nation this year. But where, where there is some trouble for James Madison is they have a really young and inexperienced O-line, and another guy just transferred or he entered the transfer portal. Um, where we saw, us Eastern fans know hand-in-hand, what Montana's D-line can do to a team. They can absolutely make you scramble. They can make you second guess. Second guess. I mean, with their D-line, their linebackers, it's pretty impossible to try and prep for when you don't see that. And I know some James Madison fans are saying, yeah, it's very similar to Villanova. Well, Villanova won the game. Um, But the big difference here is James Madison's defense is elite. They're pretty much in the top 10 in every single category statistic, where Eastern Washington's not. I think Montana is going to have a really tough time moving the ball down the field. I think if Montana wins, it's going to be capitalizing on turnovers and really special teams. I don't think Montana's offense is going to be able to march down the field with James Madison. I think James Madison's defense is just too elite, but there is that one matchup battle where I think it favors Montana in a fairly big way. And that is the D line versus James Madison's O line. If they can cause some issues make, Cole Johnson, turn the ball over. Montana has a chance. But that's really the only matchup I like in that whole game. Um, Other than that, I think James Madison actually matches up pretty well with Montana. So I'm going to go with James Madison, probably a 10-point win. Um, I would assume that they're going to probably be able to still put up 28. And then maybe Montana is only going to be able to do 17-20. I think it's going to look fairly similar to that. Uh, Sam Houston State versus Montana State game. And then we have number five, Villanova. South Dakota State's traveling to them. You know, we got the Jackrabbits up there. Yeah, I, I just think South Dakota State's better. They're getting healthy at the right time. Villanova does has a, have a really good rushing defense. And South Dakota State, they have a really elite rushing offense. Uh, you know, Pierre Strong Jr., he's an absolute beast. He probably should have been on the Walter Payton um, top three finalist. But he got injured for a few games, but he's an absolute difference maker. We will see him in the NFL. I think that's a no-brainer. But, yeah, I'm going to lead towards South Dakota State. I think they are the only lower seed that's actually going to have a chance at the upset. Uh, Montana's probably the next best. Then Montana State and ETSU, I I just don't think, has any shot to upset North Dakota State. That's a playoff bracket. Um, It's Yeah, I think it's going to be some fun matchups. Uh, Montana is tomorrow, or if you're listening, I guess it's actually today just because this won't come out until Friday morning. So that game's going to be today. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun game to watch. 
Um, definitely, if you want to tune in, tune in. I believe it's ESPN2. James Madison has a good crowd, a good facility. And, yeah, it's going to be a fun game, but I just don't think they match up very well across the board with them. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the basketball team, and then I'm going to end the show because it's getting a little late here, and, guys, i got to go to bed. Um, but, all right, so Eastern Washington basketball right now is – if my computer doesn't freeze on me. So we're four and five overall. We're eight in big sky. Of course, we've only played one big sky game. And I thought we were going to struggle a little bit because of what we lost this off season. But you know what? I'm not too upset with how the games are being played, right? We beat Washington state. That was awesome. Uh, we, had a chance to beat Colorado. I mean, they won just this last week, 60 to 57. And we were leading up with like a few minutes left. I mean, I, I really thought we had that game almost in the bag. Um, and then of course, at the very last couple seconds, Colorado was able to, to win. Um, you know, we had a foul them. They were making their free, uh, free throws. And unfortunately we just couldn't get it done, but we had a chance to go two and overs. Uh, Pac-12 teams this year, uh, which would have been really cool to see because this team is so young. We have so many freshmen. Um, Venters played an absolute hell of a game, 23 points. Uh, Bergeson, I mean, he's kind of our big, or I mean, he's getting a lot of the rebounds. He's also he's also the guy who's passing the ball quite a bit. He's, he's getting the ball to open guys. Um, the biggest difference maker on this game is we just could not contain Colorado's forward. I mean, Walker was everywhere. He out-rebounded us. Um, he was really tough to prep for. Uh, and I know he only scored 17 points, but hey, when the, when the game is 60 to 57, you don't need tons of points to win. He had basically a third of Colorado's points. But it was such a fun game to watch. And man, I like, I like our basketball team in terms of, I think we're young. I think we're frisky. I think we can shoot. Uh, we beat Omaha. Now, Omaha is pretty bad, but we beat them 92 to 81. We can shoot. We lost to Southern Utah um, 89 to 76, but it was closer until the final few minutes. Um, I mean, we're putting up points. You know, of course, we had 111, but that was worth versus Walla Walla. I don't really count that too much. Um, we do have North Dakota coming up next, and then Multnomah. North Dakota, they have been in some games. Um, but they're on a little bit of a losing streak. Uh, Montana played them earlier in the season, and they won 79-77. to 77. Montana did. That's going to be the only really common opponent that I see that we're going to be playing. But they just lost to uh, um, California Baptist, I believe it is, um, San Jose State. They've lost to Kansas State, Florida International, UT Martin, Florida Atlantic, and then Milwaukee. Um, they have wins. Oh, Montana actually lost um, to them. So North Dakota won 79 to 77. So they beat the Grizz. Uh, so that's always kind of fun to see. But North Dakota, they they have a pretty strong basketball program in the history. I remember they've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Gonzaga a few times in the past. I wouldn't count on that any time in the last few years. But North Dakota has been tough. Um, I don't know. Let's see. This is going to be at 8 p.m. on the 11th or 1 p.m. on the 11th central time. So for you guys, it's going to be pretty early, 11 a.m. game. The ESPN matchup predictor is predicting us to win uh, 70%. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, we score more than them. 
Um, when you're just looking at some of the stats, we score about 78 points a game. They're scoring 65 points against that's identical at 76. Our um, percentage of shooting is drastically better than them at 44%. Our field goals, well, there's at 38. We are out rebounding them. We're out assisting them. We're out blocking them. We're out stealing them. So the strength of schedule, I mean, I think it favors us a little bit. I think it favors us in really the statistics across the board. Um, but that'll be a fun game to really see where we are. And then after that, we have Multnomah, Texas Tech, and then it goes into Big Sky Play. So hopefully we can, you know, go two and one in the next few games because I don't think we're going to beat Texas Tech. Um, just being honest, Texas Tech, they're seven and one. They're extremely good. Uh, they are big. They're long. They're physical. I mean, yeah, they, they, we have one common opponent in Omaha where they absolutely torched them. Um, of course, Omaha is not that good, but they won 96 to 40 where, you know, we won by 11. I think Texas Tech is going to beat us, but we have a good shot versus North Dakota. We have a good shot versus Multnomah. Um, I mean, I, I would say an extremely good shot versus Multnomah. So yeah, we should go hopefully six and six going into big sky play, which for our strength of schedule and having so many people leave the program, coaches, players, and all of that, you know what? I'm not too mad about that. If we can get six wins in the out of conference going into big sky play, and then we, you know, start off the bat with Portland state, Northern Arizona, and then go to Montana, which those games are always fun. It doesn't matter who's, it doesn't matter if a team has 10 wins and the other team has zero. That game's always going to be physical. That game's always going to be pretty brutal. Um, it's going to be a fun to watch, but yeah, I mean, I like where our basketball team's headed. I think as the year goes on, they're going to continue to work better. They're going to continue to play together a little bit more. And then I think hopefully we get into the big sky tournament as you know, a top half team. And that's all you really need to do. None of the regular season matters in the big sky. It's all about how you perform in the big sky tournament. So, Hey, Idaho, when they have one win, um, all they have to do is, go on a run in the big sky tournament and then they can get to the big dance with, you know, four total wins on the season. That's the difference with the big sky. Everyone's invited. And guess what? You may not have the best representative that goes, but it is pretty tough to win that big sky tournament. And most of the time you're having one of the best teams that actually can go through there and win it all. But yeah, I like where our basketball team's at. I think it's going to be a fun season to watch and we're going to be doing more basketball coverage. Now, since football is over, we are also going to do, you know, signing day is in a few days. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the commits that are deciding to come to Eastern Washington, which we've had some pretty big names. There's a couple that I'm really excited about. I won't go into details, but let's just say we got the Washington state uh, Gatorade player of the year and the state champion at the biggest level of our high school sports coming at the quarterback position. So, of course, you know, that's not anything the other Big Sky teams wanted to hear, that the quarterback is going to be replenished. I don't think we'll see him this year. I hope we redshirt him. He's still a little bit skinny. So, uh, you know, let's pack on some weight. But we're going to talk about the commits. Uh, once early signing day happens, we're going to do kind of an in-deep analysis, maybe even play some, like, highlight films if we can. Maybe I'll put some of that together. So it could be a pretty fun episode. But other than that, Thank you so much to the seniors on the football team. Disappointing outcome in terms of the grand scheme of things. I know you guys wanted to make a deep run and contend for a title. It didn't happen. Hats off to Montana. 
Um, you guys put on a hell of a performance. You guys are a phenomenal team. It looks like Montana may be back. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, really fun season. Thank you guys for everything. Uh, if you can like subscribe, whatever to the podcast, that really helps us out. You can find us on the FCS fans nation, YouTube podcast network with a lot of other good podcasts, like the splitting hairs, like around the sun, um, like straight out of the whack. I know I promote them all the time, or you can find us on the big sky podcast network. I mean, if you just type in Eagles power hour on anywhere, you listen to a podcast, you're going to find mine, but some of the other members of the big sky podcast network and you and big sky sports. You have the R&R podcast. That's a Montana State one. Uh, the Grizz Fan podcast, Montana Mint, Tubs at the Club. There's quite a bit of good content out there if you want to learn about some of the other teams in our conference or if you want to learn about anything FCS related. You know, those are the two different areas to go look around. Thank you, guys. Boom. Have a good one. <laughs>